and welcome back to the next episode of the Fintech Podcast. Don't forget to catch up on our previous episode. Today we are joined by Samantha Lishio, Chief Information and Technology Officer at Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. Recently, she has been announced as a winner of Canada's CIO of the Year Award. Samantha's endeavours have been focused on creating a transformative, tech-based infrastructure combined with a client-centric model. She explains her thoughts on the company's approach during COVID-19, as well as topics such as AI analytics and the importance of finding the right qualities when collaborating on new partnerships. Remember to follow us on our social media at FintechMag to find out the latest information and let us know what you think of our episodes. Enjoy. So if we just want to start it off, um, if you can just give a bit of information about your personal background and why you decided to work for the company. I've been, um, oh my gosh, about uh, 25 years in, uh, in IT, in both the public sector in Ontario and Canada and uh, the private sector. And in both those uh, sectors, both of those opportunities, we're dealing with um, big challenges of changing customer expectations. The last 25 years in technology has been amazing for, uh, for all of the, the changes that are happening. Digital transformation, um, ubiquity of technology, and then customers being able to do everything online. Um, when I came to the WSIV three years ago, um, the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board, they were in the process of transforming services for customers. Um, the customers of WSAB are people that get ill or injured at work. Um, so there's a real public sector um, um, serve those people at their, the times when they're most vulnerable. And transforming service delivery um, when you're delivering really critical services to people is something that's really interesting. WSAB has been creating the first digital channels um, for our customers pushing information to them, but then also listening to customers and being responsive. Um, and I think that was uh, ultimately why what drove me to, uh, to, to taking up a career at WSAB. How has your previous experience defined your approach to your role now? Yeah, so I, I mentioned that uh, it's been a mixture of public and private sector, and it's funny because the, the challenges are the same regardless of the sector and the industry. Um, it's all about managing customer expectations in a way that, um, that customers can consume them anytime they want, anywhere they want, any device they want. So being able to, to speak in business language and make complex technology concepts accessible and easily understood, I think has been, has been key to defining my approach to the, the CIO, CTO role. Being able to describe the, the what but then also the so what, why does it matter in customer and business value terms? And I think those are the, the key things that any CIO can, can bring to the table to be heard by the business and to have um, technology seem to be uh, a business enabler. This will be your third year at WSIB. How has the company changed and the industry changed since you joined? Um, but since I joined in 2017, the WSIB's implemented direct connection points to our customers that have never been in place before. Um, in 2017, 2018, when I joined, we were handling more than 2 million pieces of, of mail every year. Um, and was the primary channel for customers dealing with us was via mail, via fax, or via the telephone. We really didn't have a, a, a means by which customers could connect with us digitally. 
Um, and now we're, we're thinking much more about our customer needs. Um, the fact that they can transact online with every other commerce that they deal with, um, it's important for us to stay uh, a pace with that. So we conduct customer focus groups, we create customer personas, we chart their customer journeys through the WSIV processes and note the pain points along the way, and then focus in on solving those problems. Um, and I think these changes at the WSIB mirror some of the broader changes in the insurance industry. It's technology-driven disruptions, rising consumer expectations, and being able to, to step up to address those. Um, WSIB's gone through a big shift from what we think customers need um, to what we think our processes and our tools and our services should look like to actually asking customers directly. And sometimes it's very, very different. What we think they need and what they actually need and what they actually want are two very different things. So forming that direct connection with customers has been vitally important for us. And then that has enabled us for a big shift uh, to digital. So using modern tools and software, um, the way they were designed to provide services. Um, and in the last year or so, we've implemented a document upload uh, service secure login for people. They can go in and they can change their addresses. And in two weeks, we're going to be launching our online services for people with claims where they can access their claims file uh, directly online. So it's um, lots of change in a short time, but um, all in the right direction. What do you consider to be the essential traits of a good leader, particularly during the current challenging times? We've talked about all of the, the necessity for digital transformation and the change that that causes. So I think in any time, a good leader needs to, to show empathy with that and uh, understand that, uh, that change and transformation don't come without consequences. Um, I think an innovation mindset, so thinking about the art of the possible, both from a, a technology and a, a customer implementation perspective. And then um, probably adaptability, uh, adaptability and resilience. You need to be adaptable to those changes. You need to be consistent and uh, be able to sustain those through. And I think, especially at this challenging time, everybody was sent home within the space of um, a few weeks across the globe. Um, many industries weren't prepared to work from home. Many people were being furloughed and um, not able to work. So having empathy that everyone's dealing with difficult changed circumstances, I think is critical. Um, but then also taking advantage of the fact that in a crisis, sometimes that can accelerate other changes. And that's where the kind of the innovation mindset and the, the speed and adaptability to change comes in. So taking advantage of the fact that because we don't have people in the office, we can't have people sorting mail in the mailroom we've got to digitize that stuff and make it all digital at source. Um, so there have been some great examples even in the past few weeks of us being able to actually actively digitize processes that were very complex and paper-based for us and to do it in response to the, the current crisis situation. So I think leadership needs to, to, to show that empathy towards the fact that everything's changed, but to use change um, to be able to force through other additional changes that can make it much easier for people to function. So behind every great leader uh, is a great team. How would you describe the workplace culture? 
Yeah, so in the WSAB, especially in the IT cluster that I have um, accountability for, we have very specific shared values. And we went through um, a lengthy exercise to make sure that everybody in the organization understood those and bought into them. So um, had um, opportunities for staff to co-create those shared values with management and to sign up to them. And they're, they're simple things, but they're really important. Um, it's about doing the right thing and seeking the right outcome. So not just doing the right thing if the outcome is not going to be the right one, but making sure that the work that you're doing is actually meeting the customer needs. Um, drawing on each other's strengths, um, seeking to solve problems, um, seeking to tear down barriers, so not to work within silos and to make sure that um, if the work needs to happen and multiple areas need to do that, then we can leverage and work across. And then with people, assume good intentions and share successes and failures. So we've published all of those core values for the IT organization within WSAV and have started to hold ourselves accountable to those as part of our performance commitments. And it's been really, uh, um, really interesting to watch the changes in behavior as a result of that. Could you explain WSIB's digital factory concept and how it speeds up the production development? So the digital factory for the WSIB is essentially three key areas um, working together in an agile way to develop um, a minimum viable product, an MVP. So you have um, service design um, that take on a human-centered design approach to identifying the customer pain point. So those guys go out and talk to the customers, hold focus groups, um, think about those customer personas, chart the customer journeys, and then identify where there are those friction points in those journeys. And then we bring another area of the business product owner to the table, and they look at those customer pain points to determine if there are process changes that can be made before we even start thinking about technology. And then the third group is the IT DevOps group. Um, and we use Scrum based, um, a Scrum-based approach to developing that minimum viable product, that MVP from a technology solution perspective that addresses that customer pain point or that key issue or challenge. And that's with service design and the product owner at the table in a very iterative way. Um, so it's daily standups, that Scrum-based approach everybody um, contributing, and that constant iteration to get to the minimum viable product. Um, the key is that MVP. The MVP is the start, not the end. And it's very different from a typical um, requirements gathering process, then go away for you know, months and months and then come back with something that might not meet um, those requirements uh, once it's been developed. Um, so the, the constant iteration with the product owner and with the service design folks at the table means that you get about 80% of those immediate needs met with that first MVP last year. Um, some development timeframes of about 12 weeks for our MVP for our digital document upload tool. Um, and that's a product that would have taken us probably more than a year um, with the old way of working, gathering requirements, working on those, developing, testing, and then putting into production. Um, and we were able to go live essentially within three months of starting um, with an MVP that allowed customers to submit their documents to us online. Um, that doesn't sound 
anything earth shattering from a you know, kind of modern e-commerce perspective. But for WSIB, it was um, it was game changing because the business accepted that the first MVP wasn't going to do everything, but it did enough to be able to advance our progress against a key customer pain point uh, and then provided foundational opportunities for us to build on that. Um, so I think it definitely speeds up the whole R&D and development cycle. But because there's that connection back to customers and we can continue to iterate, the MVP is kind of the, the critical piece of all of that. And as I said, it's the start, not the end. It becomes the, the foundation for the future work. Cloud, IoT and AI analytics have become cool aspects in digital transformation. Does WSIB have a strategy for each of these? Yeah, so I'll go through them um, one at a time. So for cloud, um, at, for us at WSIB, it's an opportunity for us to significantly accelerate the delivery of value, um, both to our internal business and to our end customers. And for from an IT perspective, for me to reduce risk. Um, when you think about it, it's really complicated to host and deploy and maintain software that's at the core of, of your business. And increasingly, the big vendors can offer those types of services better than we can ourselves. They can help us get, uh, you know, ensure technical relevance, software currency, um, that we can start to use cloud native capabilities and innovations, as well as, um, for me, ensure tech integrations, which are, are key for that. So the WSIB's cloud strategy is the implementation of a hybrid cloud services model. So using both public and private cloud, um, Microsoft Azure, and then partnering with uh, IBM uh, on the private cloud and the managed uh, hosting piece of that. That's happening throughout uh, this year and into next. So that means we have a specific software as a service uh, solution approach that's aligned to our application strategy. Um, we have database and integration as a service offerings and the introduction of other platform as a service capabilities. Um, we have Windows and Linux virtual machines as part of an IaaS and infrastructure as a service offering, and a well-structured network architecture to support that cloud-enabled environment. And all of that managed through a cloud management uh, platform. So we've been thinking very carefully about what our infrastructure strategy needs to look like with respect to cloud and are starting to get that uh, underway with our key partners. So, um, on the analytics side, um, WSIB relies on um, predictive analytics. We're essentially a an insurance organization. So we need, we need the predictive analytics. Uh, business intelligence and analytics is a key pillar in our IT strategy. And we're investing in the capabilities, the tools, and the backend infrastructure to be able to make decisions uh, better and faster. Um, we extricate data from various data marts, then we create um, diagnostic and predictive models, and we're in the progress of the creation of a central data store and intend to leverage in-database analytics that will allow us to execute extensive analytical workloads directly against our data. That's going to be really important to us in that speed of decision making, so making those better decisions faster. Um, with Internet of Things, it's an interesting point on our innovation radar right now. There are so many opportunities for uh, IoT and the workers' compensation space, especially as it relates to health and safety. 
So our innovation lab um, is exploring things like connected devices that can detect fatigue. So imagine if you're a long distance truck driver and um, you're, um, you're, you're getting fatigued as you're driving. Um, devices that can be connected to the wearer or the dashboard or both that can detect when they're, um, they're falling asleep and can alert them. Um, we're looking at things like that. Or um, when an individual doesn't have proper posture or biomechanics, um, that's especially important in the construction industry where people are lifting and bending and moving. Um, so having those kind of um, little devices that can be connected to people or the surroundings that can provide that real-time feedback rather than corrective action after the fact once an injury has happened. Um, so really interesting work in the lab on the Internet of Things. Many companies are considering the new normal, uh, such as the way we live and work and how it will change because of COVID-19. From your perspective, what technologies or practices do you think will shape the way WSIB will work? So I guess when uh, the, the emergency was declared in Ontario um, in uh, middle of March, the WSIB saw its remote workforce increase from about 10 to 2%. That was all that we had working from home before COVID-19 to more than 99% of the works, workforce in the space of about 10 days. So with that sudden shift, to 4,000 plus employees working from home, a host of issues can arise um, from inadequate video conferencing capabilities, poor internet connectivity at the employees' homes. But we've been able to effectively direct the company on how best to remote work um, using our uh, virtual private network. And that's, that's quite robust and secure. And we have multi-factor authentication to enable um, secure login so that uh, folks can connect to the WSIB systems and our corporate collaboration tools. Um, specifically, we use Microsoft Office 365, Microsoft Teams and OneDrive. We use that to communicate and interact and share information. Um, we've also provisioned the equipment that specific job functions require. So you can imagine there's a large uh, call center um, contingent within a company like WSIB. Under service reps need to be able to answer the phone. So even though they're at home, they still need to be in that call center environment. So we accomplished that by turning the WSIB computers into soft phones. So rolling out an on-screen dial pad that's used to place and control calls from the desktop using uh, session-initiated protocol, protocol communications, SIP communications. So our CSRs can interact with our call center solution, take calls from customers, and they can do that working from home the same way as they do at the office. And we've also excited um, buying and deploying more than 400 mobile devices um, in the couple of weeks since the, um, since the state of emergency in order that end users working from home could maintain critical business services um, as part of that. So a huge uh, change for us in terms of getting people equipped to be able to do what they did at the office at home. But now that we can effectively and productively work from home, the new normal for us will be one where we probably won't be returning to our offices in the, the same way as we worked before. And things like phones and desktop computers will be retired and laptops and cell phones will be the new standard technology, um, providing that kind of flexibility for mobile work. 
Um, we're also quickly digitizing hard copy mail and things like access requests. So when our customers say, can I have access to my file? We would typically go find all of the paper, go and scan all of that paper and then send them boxes of that paper sometimes when their files are particularly big. Um, now we're sharing digitized access requests with people and sharing that information back with them through encrypted email. So we're obviating the need ever to do again those kind of paper-based processes that we did before. And we're also pivoting to accelerate the delivery of our online services for people with claims and identify additional rapid fire digital transformations so that we can almost take advantage of the crisis to be able to uh, expedite getting digital um, solutions in place. Um, for things like um, facilitating appropriate governance and approvals requiring signatures, we just put in an electronic signature solution that allows people to actually electronically sign documents. Um, and you can imagine with 4,000 people uh, at home and not able to push paper around and exchange those signatures, that was key for us being able to make sure that we could continue to procure things, continue to authorize things as uh, as business has continued in COVID-19. Um, so I think for the future, we'll certainly be focused on remote work, not office-based work. Um, focus on digital services and making sure those are available to customers and continuing to meet our customer needs and expectations. All of those things are gonna shape our, our new normal and, uh, and our future beyond COVID-19. Uh, what cybersecurity uh, has the company put in place and how does it reassure clients? So I'll talk a little bit about cybersecurity for COVID-19 and then I'll talk about it kind of generally. Um, with COVID-19, we were into business continuity planning response mode. Um, so we had to have um, ensure we had multi-factor multi authentication for all of the staff who were working from home. So that means your user ID and password, but then also that token generated random encrypted number together with a pin that allowed um, us to be able to determine that you are who you say you are and you genuinely um, have a legitimate access to our systems. So getting that multi-factor authentication rolled out and then making sure we had hard disk encryption for all of the desktops that were being shipped to people's homes. Um, less than 60% uh, of our workforce had laptops at the beginning of COVID-19. So we made the decision to actually ship their desktops um, to their, their home. Um, but before we did that, we had to make sure that the hard drives were encrypted on that um, so that we could protect WSIB managed data, even if it was uh, remote. So outside of um, COVID-19, obviously there's all kinds of um, additional monitoring that we have to do because um, you know bad people are taking advantage of the situation and there's more phishing, there's more malware, it's all related to COVID-19, we're paying special attention to that. Operate um, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year as security operations center. Um, from January to September last year, we keep um, track of all of the, the records that we receive. So all of the, the potential hits on our perimeter from a security perspective. And for that period, that uh, about a nine month period last year, um, there were more than 85 billion records received. So that's more than 85 billion attempts to, to look at the exterior of the WSIB. Of those uh, records, um, it's kind of like the bouncer at the nightclub. You let people in that they're supposed to come in, you don't let the people 
coming. So of that 85 billion traffic that's hitting our, our network, the events that were sent to our security information event monitoring system, there were 19 billion of those. So those are the ones that we need like a, a little bit of a second look at. Um, those then we identify as either um, events that need to be monitored, events that are relevant, they're possible threats, or they become incidents. And obviously that large number gets um, winnowed down to something very much smaller than that. So of the, the almost um, 85 billion uh, hits that we had, the actual number of incidents were about 150. Um, so once we get incidents like that, we also have to have a, a response to that. So we have a cybersecurity strategy and strong governance in place. We understand every level up to and including our board of directors, how we deal with and manage our perimeter and how we manage any security incidents. We've assessed our domain maturity across security and we've taken in inventory of all of our critical data and assets. So we, we know where our crown jewels are and how those are protected. And we've applied the appropriate controls to those protections. And we regularly test those through audit and things like penetration testing. We do vulnerability assessments monthly. We've got breach response and awareness and training programs in place. We do threat intelligence with our new IT security services provider. And we also have cybersecurity insurance. Could you talk me through the um, announcement in March of 1.6 uh, billion financial relief for online businesses? Yeah, so this was uh, in line with um, government requirements. So WSAB will allow businesses to defer uh, premium reporting and payments until the end of August. Um, so Compensation in Ontario works by uh, employers. So if you're a business that employs staff, you pay an insurance premium to the WSIB. And then if there are any accidents or illnesses or injuries in the workplace, um, the employee doesn't sue the business. They, they'll get the, they'll be compensated through the, the WSIB's insurance scheme. Um, so that's how workers' compensation works in Ontario. What we've done for the announcement of the financial aid to businesses is to allow them to defer their premium payments um, until um, the end of August. And that includes a waiver of interest and penalties. So if they're carrying any of those too, they, uh, they don't have to pay those until, uh, until then. Um, so our IT team, the business, and um, um, some of our key vendor partners like Wipro um, analyze the impact of those requirements um, on our business and developed options and implemented those changes before the April account monthly process kicked in. So um, between the announcement in March and when um, those changes needed to come into effect for the April um, accounting, um, we were able to do that in a, in a systems-based way. Um, so now, um, businesses in Ontario are uh, are good in terms of premium payments until um, the end of August. What do you consider to be the main challenge of the Canadian insurance sector? So I think um, we talked a little bit about it. The, the notion of rapid digitization to meet customer expectations. Insurances, um, insurance companies um, and the processes that companies develop over decades and sometimes centuries um, are long-standing and hard to change. 
But when you have customers that can do everything online, um, they really get frustrated when you're forcing them to deal with paper or on the phone. Um, and we're seeing that increasingly across the industry. So being able to, to be where the customer is, when they want to be interacting with you, how they want to be interacting with you is, is something across the industry that everybody's dealing with in terms of rapidly getting those services out in a, in a digital way that meets customer expectations. And quite frankly, that challenges our existing and longstanding business models and needs us to be to change, to be flexible and to be adaptable to that. So expanding on that, how do you maintain a strong focus at all times? I know we touched on it earlier. Yeah, so I think it's um, understanding what customers want by asking them specifically. So we look at things like um, customer satisfaction and then we'll pull people in to actually understand how they deal with us when they're dealing with us. So sometimes when you're in a focus group and you ask questions or you conduct a survey, people will tell you what they, they think you want to know versus how what their actual experience looks like. So we actually sit with them when they're doing things like um, sending us some um, health-related information related to their claim so that we can see their pain points firsthand. So being able to take that kind of human-centric um, approach to service design has been critical for us to be able to make that connection with customers around understanding the problems and then being able to focus the organization on prioritizing the solutions to those problems. And I think that has been key. And when we do things like develop the minimum viable products that I talked about with the digital factory, it's then engaging the customers back again once we have those in place to say, so what do you think about that? What needs to change? How can that be improved? And then using the customer feedback as part of that source of constant uh, iteration. Could you talk about your two key partners? Apologies, I don't know if I'll be pronouncing them incorrectly. Um, could you explain why they are important? It's uh, AVNI, are a company that deal um, primarily with um, cultural and organizational change. And um, they've um, worked with, with me and USIB to um, help us create IT-enabled business transformation, effectively sort of shifting the whole organization to a new operating model and a new culture. And they've been critical, their expertise in understanding organizational change management, how business models need to transform related to um, digital transformation has been key to us being able to be successful, not only in the, the development and implementation of the solutions that we talked about, but then also within the organization, making sure that we're functionally aligned to be able to do that. Um, so they've been really important to us in terms of that business model change and organizational change management. Um, Guidewire is the leading software company for insurance products, and they, like us, are focused on customer journeys and human-centered design approaches. And Guidewire, the product, the insurance suite of products, is at the heart of our claims and accounts system of record. So it's essentially our system of record. So we rely on them for um, their latest software releases, for integration with other insure tech products, and their whole kind of application ecosystem that's uh, that's now part of their um, their product roadmap. 
When collaborating and working in new partnerships, what qualities do you look for? Um, I think um, the insurance business is, um, is, is very specific. So having an innate understanding of our business. Um, so the depth and the breadth of expertise, not only in insurance, but also workers' compensation, because it's uh, a slightly more nuanced version of um, insurance. And then I think sort of motivation to do the right thing, to get to the right outcomes versus thinking about landing the sale or meeting targets. Um, when we engage with vendors, it's very much about developing a longstanding relationship that's, um, that's generating specific positive outcomes and products for our customers. Um, and that's where we've been very successful um, with the, the partners that we have um, to date is that we have that shared vision of what success looks like. Are there any other companies you find essential to work with at WSIB? Yeah, TCS, um, so Tata Consulting Services are working with us, um, instrumental in um, aligning our end-to-end -end quality assurance process with industry best practice. And that has meant that we've, um, when we get to user acceptance testing in our um, kind of quality testing process, We've eliminated 95% of the defects um, by implementing the, the approach and the methodology that, um, that TCS has helped us with. So that has really helped us get better at um, when we move um, workload into our testing environments, it becomes much shorter to do that testing. And there are fewer defects that we have to work on when that testing is concluded. Um, so they've been really helpful um, from the quality assurance perspective with us. And they're also working with us on a proof of concept for robotic process automation. Um, a long-standing business that requires a lot of kind of manual hands-on intervention to be able to move that forward. Uh, looking at the opportunities for um, automating parts of that through uh, RPA, robotic process automation. So that's some really exciting new stuff that we're working on with, um, with TCS. Um, I mentioned Wipro, um, they're our partner in helping us make enhancements to our Guidewire suite of services. Um, we work closely with Rogers from a mobility perspective and uh, through COVID-19, they've been um, amazing at uh, provisioning mobile devices um, to help enable us to work from home. Um, we talked about Avani, we talked about uh, IBM on the cloud side and we talked about um, Guidewire. Do you have a vision of what WSIB will achieve in 2020? Yeah, so I think um, and starting May 19th, we'll have our online services for people with claims launched. So multiple new digital channels in 2020. IT operating model to support that new digital WSIB. The digitization of core services that used to be paper-based or manual and uh, a work from home organization. So I think those kind of four things will define what WSIB will achieve in 2020. Looking ahead, what are the key areas to focus on that will drive change in the sector and how will you adopt them? Yeah, so I think the, the sectoral changes certainly um, mirror what we're experiencing at the WSIB. It's that customer focus, being able to provide the services and products that we do um, whether you're a large insurance company, whether you're a workers' compensation organization like the WSIB, 
Um, our customers want to be able to deal with us whenever they want to. So anytime, anywhere, on any device, and we have to be able to have products and services that support that. So the, the vision that I just talked about for the WSIB, new digital channels, a sustainable operating model that is digitally focused, the digitization of core services, all of those things are key drivers that are going to change um, across InsureTech, um, the whole sector. And I think WSIB's vision and our plan for 2020, how we're taking advantage of um, the current COVID-19 situation to further digitize is helping us be, um, be responsive to those. Is there anything we haven't mentioned that you would like to discuss or any key messages you'd like to emphasize? Um, so one quick thing, the, um, we have an IT strategy that we developed uh, this year that's directing the work of digitization. So I talked about the whole vision about we need to be digital to meet customer needs and expectations. That IT strategy is directing that work. So it's setting out and charting what activities we need to be doing at the WSAB and in what priority order. And there are approximately six broad themes that that strategy speaks to that we'll be uh, enacting over the course of the next um, 12 to 18 months. We talked about business digitization. We talked about business intelligence and analytics, cyber and digital security, modernizing applications, moving to the cloud, providing digital infrastructure, and then the, the modernization of the operating model to be able to support all of that. So it's those kind of six key themes together that the strategy is charting out how we can um, direct and enable that work of digitization to meet our customer needs. Thank you for speaking today, Samantha. Um, it's been a great conversation and um, thank you very much. Awesome. Thank you. Take care. <laughs>